Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. guys thanks for tuning in to another episode of the red and gold standard podcast my name is zach hernandez and as always i am your co-host matt mullen today we're going to be breaking down the 49ers 2022 nfl draft class and undrafted free agent signings uh, i wasn't able to make day two or day three and part of day one matt but how are you feeling about this draft class overall um i feel a lot better after the undrafted free agents um particularly a lot of people will know during um I guess day two of the draft rounds two and three. If you were with us on the live show, we weren't particularly happy. I think um, at this point, you know, we were just, we were sitting here thinking Drake Jackson, fine, right? Like maybe you're going into a position of strength. That's fine. But it was a pick that was there in terms of best player available, despite the fact that there were, I think, bigger needs on the board. Um, They went with Drake Jackson. So I'm not mad at that pick. The next pick uh tied uh davis price i believe tdp is i'm gonna refer to him here on out that was the one where we really kind of scratched our head and like what are they doing you know drafting yet again another running back in the mid rounds this you know follows up with joe williams this follows up with trey sermon just last year and you could kind of see whose fingerprints were on this early right drake jackson that's probably you know john lynch going to bat for somebody right TDP that that's a Kyle Shanahan move. Um, and you know, I guess stuff came out after the draft that, um, Mike Shanahan had actually talked and spoken to TDP. And so you wonder if Mike had a little bit of input on that too. Um, and then Danny gray, deep speed guy. Um, that one wasn't too bad either. So after, after that, you know, I was a little upset at first sleeping on it. I was like, all right, that, that was average, I guess. Day three was better. I think they addressed a lot of positions of need. They went after stuff that they absolutely needed um, and, you know, did, did a little bit better job. And I think it's reflective of what I've been saying all along. When you get into rounds one, two, and three, that's where John and Kyle have their fingerprints all over the draft. But after that, you start getting into the Adam Pierce guys, the scouts guys, the ones that actually, and it's why the 49ers do so well in those late rounds, I think, is just because the guys that do the most work on these prospects are the ones that know them the best rather than the coach who has to come in and kind of 
put together an aggregate of what everybody's saying and try to make the best decision he can. Or John Lynch, who, despite being the 49ers GM, is a first-time GM, has no experience on this side of the ball prior to this, so there could still be a lot going on. Um, So for me, it was like it got better as the draft went on, and then personally, I think they killed it with undrafted free agents. I mean, that that's where this actually is the saving grace is, is what they did after the draft. And I think that's been a hallmark of this regime so far. Yeah, definitely. It kind of has been a, uh, just the way that they're able to kind of show off their scouting abilities. It's almost like the back end of the draft is more impressive than like the first day or two because they're able to kind of make up for it. And that's I've seen a lot of these draft experts and take it with a grain of salt obviously it's kind of hard to say who won the draft a day after it happened um but they all are kind of in agreement that the 49ers really get their money's worth in date rounds the later rounds and then in undrafted free agent signings um going edge on the first pick for the 49ers just pick 61 yeah you know i hate that you know i hate that i knew yeah you're very unhappy. Totally understand. You're talking it. about a borderline somebody who is graded on the football field as a borderline first round talent, though. So I, I get that move. That's yeah. I, that's fine. It is what it is. You know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I think the the main problem, and I don't even want to say problem, but I, I guess just point that the people who were opposed to drafting an edge rusher with the first pick is that it's not their greatest area of need. And I've seen a lot of people say, Oh, but the 49ers desperately need somebody opposite of Nick Bosa. Um, That's what they envisioned D Ford to be. That didn't turn out. I get it. But they were, in my opinion, that problem is not as great as protecting quarterback, uh, getting help in the secondary. It's still a problem. Don't get me wrong. But, but they they turned Kerry Hyder with no Nick Bosa out on the field into an eight and a half sack guy. Yeah. So for me, you have Nick Bosa, right? You, you kicked Eric Armstead back to inside where he's more effective. You still have Samson Ebucam. You still have, you know, a, a couple other guys that you can put in that position. I don't think that it was a big area of need. Now, do I think this pick makes them better? Some room because they're ridiculously deep on the defensive line yet again. But yeah, I'm with you. Um, there were good players on the board at safety at corner into your offensive line. There were guys that they could have taken that were, you know, that, that could have been there, you know, that for the 49ers in a spot where they desperately needed it. You're talking about losing Lake and Tomlinson. The fact of the matter is, you know, during the post draft press conference yesterday, Kyle Shanahan said, we're keeping our fingers crossed on Alex Mack, which if that's the way that you're running the roster, that's concerning to me that, you know, but for all intents and purposes, for me, I think that Alex Mack is gone. I think that they're they're thinking that he's like, you know, that he's maybe coming back. Um, right now, I think they're probably thinking he's leaning towards retirement. This is one of those things when you get to a certain year in your career, you're really not making decisions until training camp hits, right? Like you start, maybe you start gearing it up and like, mm, am I feeling this, you know? And we've seen it, right? Players love to play the games. It's training camp that they don't want to get through. So We'll see, but to me, it it feels like he's leaning uh, that he's going to retire. And I think that you know we'll talk about it later. But some of the moves that they made with the undrafted guys is going to it, it kind of speaks to their thoughts on that too. Exactly. Um. And yeah, Hunk Fat said, uh, "I wish they drafted them center." Does this mean they think Mac Mac is returning? I think they're hoping that, obviously, but I don't know if they even know. See, and I think that, and I'll just get out of the way. My favorite undrafted free agent signing was Donovan West, who who was like projected to be like a fourth round guy and just didn't get selected for some reason. 
but them picking up Donovan West for the amount of money that they did for an undrafted free agent, they gave him a hundred thousand dollar guarantee. Um, that's that's huge, and that tells me that they think that he might not be back. Don't buy their smoke about what all the bullshit they were saying about Jake Brendel. They don't believe that for a second. Yeah, that was a little uh, alarming if they do. Um, but uh, Kali and Steve made the point that the defensive linemen are not under contract next season, but that's easily fixable. You just sign them. Um, there are ways to get around. We've seen this. time and time again, though, the role players they sign for one one year contract, two year contract. I mean, how many times did Jaquaski Tart play on a one or a two year contract the last couple of years or whatever? Jason Verrett's been here on like three straight, Jimmy four Ward. straight one year deals. You know, that's that's the way that they operate, and the way, reason why they do that is it gives them flexibility to sign their stars. That's what they do. Yeah. As far as playing rookie centers, dude, if you can play, you can play. Just because he hasn't yet doesn't mean that he won't if that's the best person available. So that doesn't hold with me either. Also, guys, if you're tuning in on Twitter, head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash 49ers. I've joined there. Hit like, hit subscribe while you're there. We cannot see or interact with any comments from Twitter. But if you go over to YouTube, we can see and discuss this with you guys. I'd love to get your guys' analysis and thoughts on the picks. Everybody's got a different perspective. Let's get it out there. Um, RDK says, calm down, everyone. These draft picks have value and improve impact. Plus, the undrafted free agent check back during preseason once we see what these players can do. Nobody's freaking out. I think that we can calmly say that, oh, I wish they would have gone here. That has nothing negatively towards what they did do or the player right. that they took. I think we both are in agreement that Drake Jackson could be a hell of a player and we like him as a prospect. We just felt that there are maybe positions that could have been addressed before that was addressed. Right. And and this is just us doing our own analysis. You know, I don't subscribe to either. Oh, I, I go against everything that the regime does or I'm pro everything the regime does. Right. I'm not just going to sit back here on my thumbs and, and not comment on anything because I just don't think that that's the way things work ever. Right. If, if that was the case, then we wouldn't have a show and we wouldn't be right. able to come and talk to you guys <laughs> like right. that. That's that is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Steve said, put that on Shanahan. What, what has he done? Sign veteran centers. Until he can't. Yeah. So, I mean, J.C. Treader's just sitting out there. So, we'll see. I mean, but right now, I think that the Donovan West signing is telling you a lot about what they think is. Donovan West plus, let's keep our fingers crossed, plus John Lynch saying, I'll let Alex talk to you guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm just reading the tea leaves, dude, and, and they're pretty big tea leaves. So, I mean, Jake Brendel could start the season, but that doesn't mean that he would finish the season. And I think that Donovan West is a huge signing for them. Yep. Um, so Drake Jackson, though, looks like a good prospect. Like I said, um, going over his report here, 254. I believe he dropped about 20 pounds from his freshman year. No, he put on. Put on 20 yeah. pounds. You're right. So he dropped, so he dropped weight after his freshman year, right? right? And he was playing too small. He was playing like a tweener role. And he's since put on 16 or 17 pounds after, you know, whatever the the combine or whatever it was. So right. he's actually up in weight. And I think that they're just wanting him to... So an undrafted center is going to come in and be the starter. Makes no sense to me. Um, you should look up whether there are more undrafted free agents in the Hall of Fame or first, second, and third overall picks in the Hall of Fame, and then come back to me, particularly with offensive linemen. 
Stewart says, while I was down on TDP, I watched a couple of his games, and I can see why they like him. I think he'll be a good player as a rookie. Now, I thought they could have gotten him later, though. He he seems pretty promising. He, well. he, he looked like he was overdrafted, mm-hmm. for sure. A lot of the draft breakdowns that I was kind of checking out were saying that that was kind of the most surprising pick to them for the 49ers, that he could have cut, probably gotten taken another round or two later. But it is what it is. If you get the guy you like, does it really matter? I, I guess not. And take it with a grain of salt, but the 49ers are basically saying, if you would have told us that, you know, we got these three guys, they were our top three guys. Whether that's true or not, that's what they're saying. Um, Steve, what does that have to do with him starting this year? Everything, because you're talking about offensive line, which is one of the hardest positions to evaluate and one of the ones where you have the most amount of movement and the most amount of pure players. Like, it's so hard to go through and pick out. I mean, you're talking about different techniques, different schemes, different whatever, and you got to try to put all of that together to determine. And again, we're talking about a guy who was mocked to go in the fourth and fifth round. People slip for whatever reason. Who knows why he slipped, but there's every chance that he comes in. Like, these are the guys that you stick in there and just, you know, if they kick ass, they kick ass. It's not, this is not something that, it's not like quarterback. It's it's just not. So I don't know. Yeah. You could be uh, right, but I, I think the, what I'm more talking about is Jake Brendel. We know what Jake Brendel is. He's not good, right? They're bringing in this guy and signing to 100000 guaranteed, which is huge for an undrafted free agent, which tells me that they think Mac is going to retire. And if he retires and you have Jake Brendel and you have Donovan West, then if Donovan West does better, then who cares if he's a rookie? He's going to play. We have a super chat from our guy, Fernando. Hey, Zach and Matt, I disagree with starting Daniel Brunskill at center. Able to play something and being good at something are two different meanings. Yeah, what 100%. I agree. I mean, the, the fact that Daniel Brunskill's lasted this long on the roster is a little surprising, but it just kind of goes to show you that there's not that many quality offensive linemen in the NFL, and he's able to kind of be plugged in play at different positions. That's valuable. Not a fan of the running back selection. Could you guys see Poe starting at center? One of the undrafted free agents, right? Yeah, I know that he plays multiple positions. Okay, so here's my thing. They have holes in the interior of the offensive line. And that seems to be in the late rounds and in in undrafted free agency. They seem to have just accumulated a bunch of bodies. And I think they're going to throw them all in a mixer and see who comes out. I mean, whoever plays the best is going to play. Draft to me, draft position isn't indicative of how I mean how much did how much did Banks play? You know? More played more than Banks did and 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 more was drafted like three rounds later. But you know, Dan, Daniel Brunskill they brought in as an undrafted free agent from whatever that short lived football what was it the first the first iteration of the XFL? Yeah, yeah. I always get the two confused, but I'm pretty sure it was the XFL. Uh, our guy Stewart says Donovan West has started for four years in college, and he's a smart player. Most people thought he'd get drafted. His biggest flaw is he isn't big and has trouble anchoring because of that. Yeah, people were thrilled. By the way, is that any different than Alex Mack? Yeah. Alex Mack is not big, and I saw him have problems anchoring last year too. Yep, yep. Uh, Jason Kuno says Drake Jackson was an amazing pick. I, I, I like the pick. I don't like, I'm not thrilled about it. I like it. I think he can be a great player, especially rushing opposite of Nick Bosa. 
that's not my that was my primary concern going into this draft though. Overall, I'm pleased with it. Uh 49er Media, are you guys worried about safety? I think safety is in a decent spot when you look at it. They signed Odom. Tarverius Moore's coming back from his Achilles. Um, you still have Jimmy Ward, Talano Hufanga is in his second year. You sign um an undrafted free agent who everybody was high on out of Texas A&M, Leon O'Neill Jr. Um, they signed another one from San Diego State, Taylor. Let me oh, see if I can find it. Uh, Taylor something or other. I, I don't know his name. So they're, again, they're uh, with these undrafted free agents, I think they're plugging a lot of pieces into um, areas of need, and they're going to kind of see what sticks. So is it a position of strength like defensive line is? No. But is it an overwhelming, glaring weakness? Uh, to me, I feel better about safety than I do about the offensive line at this point. Yeah, I agree. Also, they also kind of brought in, keep bringing up Quisky Tart and whether or not they're willing to resign him. They kind of, in the press conference, I believe yesterday, left the door open so that they could keep, you know, contact with him later on in the offseason. The fact that he's still unsigned, I think, kind of shows that his best chance is probably landing back with the 49ers. We'll see. Maybe. I, But, I mean, you know, Tyron Matthews unsigned. I think part of that has to do with the compensatory pick formula, which that I think it, tomorrow after I think it's 4 p.m. Eastern or whatever, free agents who sign don't count towards the compensation pick formula. So they'll I think they're going to start going and you might see something with Tart. True. Uh, Stewart says Poe's going to have a great chance to start at center because he's extremely athletic. He just needs to get stronger and that will come with NFL training and dieting 100%. Yep. like that uh, for Hawkins, Taylor Hawkins for 90 media said they said Leo Neal, Lorenzo O'Neal safety. I think uh, it's Leon O'Neal. It is Leon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on the wide receiver core after the draft. I'm pretty happy with it. How about you? Um, It's going to depend. It's going to depend because apparently Debo Samuel's digging in his heels and <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. is all cap. Um. I don't know that that situation could get ugly. And if you take Debo Samuel out of that group, then all of a sudden it doesn't look as good. Yeah. I like Danny gray um, word on the street is though sometimes. And I think our boy croc broke this down. Um, he doesn't use speed in his routes. And it looks like maybe sometimes when he knows the ball is not going towards him, he doesn't run his routes as crisply as he should, which is rumored to be what Shanahan didn't like about, Ayuk or was mad about Ayuk. So hopefully that can be coached up. Um, he does get bullied by bigger corners. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think if you have the veterans surrounding him, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. Like how good do you need your third or fourth guy to be, you know, particularly where he's running, but West I think is pretty good. Um, I know they got a, a couple of guys, um, Taylor, Taylor Mack or something like that. Taryn Mack. Um, they picked up this undrafted year. free agent. You need a few guys, but I mean, they're they're gonna be they're gonna be fine as long as Debo Samuel gets gets his stuff together, which who knows how long that's gonna last. Yeah, the the report that came out, we'll get into it a little later, that he's still kind of dug in his heels, like Matt said, wants to be traded regardless of how long it takes. Whatever, you know, we'll, we'll get into that later, like I said. But as far as wide receiver class overall, 
I don't think he's going to be moved this year. That's kind of where I'm still at on the matter. I was a little swayed once we got closer to the draft. And by the way, can we just talk about how off these reports were? The reports that the Jets were offering 10, 38, uh, Elijah Moore, plus next year's second round pick. Yeah, and- that's, Vincent, that's Vincent Frank, and that dude's like, yeah, okay, makes stuff up. But and I'm gonna, also, I'm gonna like I'm gonna put I'm gonna put his name on it because you can't just say that stuff. No, there's been multiple times with this dude. That they were offering something that the 49ers just simply couldn't refuse, and I saw that from the bigger name outlets too. They didn't get into the specifics, yeah. but then it comes out draft day. They offered ten, and then essentially a pick swap later in in, in the fifth round. I and that wasn't even true months. either. And that wasn't even true either. The, the, it was reported after the fact that the actual offer was number 10 and a fifth round pick for Debo and a second. Yeah. yeah. Which is insane. That I mean, just, I just, why even, why even dial the phone at that point? You know, it, it is wild. It really is wild. Um, the conspiratorial part in my brain is thinking maybe Kyle Shanahan's like, Hey Robert, give us a shit offer so we can turn it down. Tell Debo and his agent that we actually did field calls for you and nothing was worth taking. But obviously that's yeah. likely not what happened. But yeah, I just thought it was funny how off these reports were. And maybe Debo Samuel's completely overestimating his value in the NFL. I don't know, but it is it was a little wild. That, I mean, that's possible. Um yeah. and you know, he's just overplaying his hand in general, I think. Yeah. Um it's going to be interesting to see what the contract for him actually ends up being considering what AJ Brown got and the compensation that AJ Brown got is something the 49ers aren't interested in. So I just, you know, it's something that again, it's, it's, you're going to have to work it out with him eventually. And we're going to see how serious he is as it gets port uh, closer to mandatory reporting time. And he runs the risk of, you know, ruining his unrestricted free agent status by holding out. Um, that would not be something that would be good for him. And it looks like the 49ers are, are going to play hardball with him as they should. They have all the leverage. Um, it's, it's going to be an ugly situation, which you hate to see. You just wish that because I think they want to pay him. And I think if he just comes to the table, they'll get something done. Yep. I agree. Um, and I think the report that we saw, on, or not the report, that trade and sign that we saw on draft day that you just referenced with A.J. Brown to the Eagles, and then they subsequently signed him to a uh, four-year, $100 million with what, like 57, 57 guaranteed? 57 guaranteed, yeah. That is what That's Debo low guaranteed, by the way. Yeah, and that's basically what Debo was asking for. I cannot imagine him getting that. A.J. Brown has been more productive for longer more consistent, I should say, than Debo yeah. Samuel has. And I can't imagine his contract reaching that or or topping it, which it sounds like that's what Debo Samuel wants. He's going to have to choose one or the other. It's either going to be, do you want more money or more guarantee? Yeah, I agree. Um, real quick, before we move on from Drake Jackson, I was checking out uh, the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast last night, and they were talking about how they spoke to scouts that, um, that were – kind of scouting Drake Jackson and people at USC and there were concerns about his, his character, but they kind of made it a point to say maturity. So make of that what you will. He said that a lot of people were saying he's a great prospect and he's really great on the field. However, he just needs to mature a little bit more. 
Yeah. yeah. You just yeah. hope that the the culture that's built with San Francisco kind of helps that. Um, I haven't heard of any legal issues. So, no. um, and apparently he's just turning 21 or he's just going to be turning 21. So at this point, it's just like, man, I, like how mature do you expect this kid to be? There's going to be, I mean, there are going to be kids that just aren't ready. I mean, I remember when I was 20 years old, I was an idiot. I'm pretty sure you were an idiot at 20. We all were idiots at 20, right? Some kids come buttoned up. Some need a little bit of help. And, you know, that as long as it's not anything crazy, you know, anything like Alden Smith or, you know, anything like that. Ruben Foster. Right. There are veterans on this team that will be able to help take care of them, take them under their wing and be like, hey, listen, Rook, like you got to this is the pros now. You got to do it this way. This is how we do it. You know um, how receptive he is to that kind of mentoring is going to be the difference, whether he succeeds or whether the maturity thing becomes an issue. Yeah, 100 percent agree. Um, All right. So let's move on to the second pick for the 49ers, which was uh, Tyrion Davis Price. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Terrence Davis Price. He went 93rd overall, um, had 1,015 rushing yards in 2021, which is six-month SEC running backs. Uh, ran a 4.48 4, at 211 pounds. Were you surprised that they took a running back at all? Yeah, yeah. You, you expect it to be one of the deepest positions that they already have. Um, and some people are, are speculating that they did it to kind of given olive branch to Debo saying like, Oh, look, we're not going to use you as a running back anymore. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's more the case of just trying to help Trey Lance out as much as you can mitigating injury concerns, which kind of led to Debo having to be a running back because I can tell you right now, Debo would not have gotten all those carries had Raheem Mostert been healthy. Um, And I think it's interesting that they've gone from speed backs like Mostert, like Brita, who was also an injury risk, two guys that are a little bit hardier. I, I expect Trey Sermon to actually have a little bit more of a role this year. Um, I don't know exactly what it was, but I don't think, you know, people are speculating that Sermon's going to be out. I don't think you get rid of third. Uh, how much, how much leverage did, or uh, how much leeway did Jalen Hurd get? Right. So I don't think that he's just going to be gone right off the bat. Um, I think there's going to be some effort put in to try to make something out of him, considering that he cost a third round pick. You know, the, the more bodies you can have there, the better. Um, he's a different style, though. But the way that they're moving the running back style is is different to me. Um, neither, like none of the backs they really have are burners at this point. They're they're between the tackles runners and, you know, put the, put your nose down kind of thing. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was um, surprised they went running back round three. I, I think that would have been fine. Not right, you were like uh, six, right? Been, round yeah, six. yeah. Maybe five, it was Elijah Mitchell. Six, five, round six. But round three, I was kind of like, oh, okay. Um, that's fine. Um, he looks like a very physical running back, like you said, between the tackles type. Um, going over his profile here from Lance Zerline, premium combination of size and athletic talent, accelerates and cuts like a smaller back, gets better with volume, runs with excellent bend, Talented operating behind a lead blocker, attacks the line of scrimmage, quick to process and secure a backside cut, battering ram and open space, which I have seen plenty of highlights going around Twitter now, uh, drops and collides with tacklers, dragging them for extra yardage, and his weaknesses needs better patience to allow smoke to clear up front, below average feel for blocking scheme and run lane, 
slams into linemen's backs on regular basis, more stuttering go than what kind one cut runner ball security might be an ongoing issue, which would be interesting because we know Shanahan, you fumble once you are gone uh, and hands are a coin flip as a pass catcher, which isn't that big of an issue for the 49ers. Maybe it will be with a new quarterback, but we don't see the running backs primarily be using the passing game too much. The only thing I don't like about that, though, is when you have a running back that can, you know, catch the ball, a, a, a true three down guy, it's not as obvious, right? Like we right. knew in prior seasons when the 49ers brought in um, Tevin Coleman, we knew that it was going to be a running play or that Tevin Coleman just wasn't going to be involved. And I, it, it gets too one dimensional. And my other issue with this pick is when you have a position need like safety and you got a pretty good safety prospect like Nick Cross from Maryland on the board who goes three picks later to the Colts. It, you know, I, I know they, they, so after day two, they came out and said, if you would have woke up and told us that we would go through the draft, not trade in any position and come away with these three players, we would have been happy. And I'm just like, God, you guys are just like, making stuff up it's it's just lies right like i can tell i can tell that this is not the way that you wanted to go you probably wanted the running back that went to tampa bay like four picks in front of you it seems like they got jumped a few times and instead of adjusting position they just went next man down on the board for the position they were going to take and so I, i just it seems to me like the strategy wasn't fluid enough that it was a little bit too rigid it was like we're gonna take a running back in the third round and then when the running back they want is gone and this is me speculating of course they just go all right well who's next on the list and maybe you overdraft a position or two or a player or two at a position because that's where you were going to go to begin with yeah Stewart says tdp is a bigger elijah mitchell on tape very physical patient follows his blockers which the 49ers absolutely love he plastic blocks really well as well well that's great um, let's see. Going through some of the comments here, Mariah. We have these young ass refs. Oh, sorry, this is talking about the Warriors game. Apparently, Draymond got ejected. Um, too good propaganda. The 49ers are. Yeah, they but, think they are, but they leave enough holes that we all can see what they're doing. I was going to say the reporters that eat it up and and just regurgitate it. I think that's the main issue. They don't think don't anything even, about. I don't it. even think they buy it. I think they're just like, okay, well, we have access, so let's just. True. We don't want to, you know, turn the apple cart over. True. Let's just keep going where we're going. Um, Matt, what does this mean, in your opinion, of Trey Sermon and how the 49ers view him? Yeah, I think that the big issue they had with him was, you know, character issue in terms of learning how to be a pro and things like that. I don't think that there's going to be a huge issue. Um, to me, I think this signals that Jamichael Hasty is going to be gone. Um, somebody that can't stay healthy, a smaller guy. Just hasn't had a ton of success. And I like Hasty too, because he's got wiggle. And I think, you know, that there was potential there. It just hasn't manifested. And, um, you know, all, I, I mean, I hate to, I don't hate to say it. I actually love saying I told you so. But all of you, Jeff, Jeff Wilson Jr. stands, he came back and he was trash last year. So he could be gone off this roster too. And I wouldn't be surprised any way, shape, or form. Um, he, you know, it's going to be a, a battle between Hasty and and Jeff Wilson Jr. to see who makes this roster. Again, Sermon, third round capital. He's not going anywhere. Elijah Mitchell was your primary starter and had nearly a thousand yards last year. He's not going anywhere. And obviously, they just took this guy in the third round, TDP. So he's not going anywhere. Um, so really, it's on on the rest. And how many running backs are they going to address? Are they going to address four 
including Kyle Juszczyk, or are they going to dress five? And that's going to determine whether it's just Hasty or Wilson or both. And that's where, to me, I, Sermon's going to be on this roster. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that he's, this signals that Trey Sermon is done or they're over him. They don't believe in him. I think you you said it in the chat yesterday and you brought it up here on the show. This kind of signals a, maybe a change in how they view their running backs and the style that they want to operate under. Maybe that has to do with going to a new quarterback. Maybe they're implementing a new style of this offense. But I agree with you. There's no there's no Raheem Mostert. Uh, there's no Matt Breida, a guy who can just really quick. So they're kind of going to that more grounded pound, which I respect 100%. Well, and I think it's needed, too, because, you know, people are like, well, you don't have any home run hitters. You don't have any home run hitters. Yeah, but under the old guard, right, unless it was Raheem Mostert getting to the outside, how many times did we see it's second and eight? Oh, now it's third and nine because somebody hit a wall and couldn't go anywhere. At least, you know, Sermon is a big back. Elijah Mitchell rarely pushed back. TDP on tape. You know, one of the big things is like he turns a two-yard run into a four-yard run because he's always going forward. It's... A lot of times in the running game, it's the little things, especially in a league where now you're going to look at what they did with Danny Gray. Danny Gray indicates that they're looking to throw the ball more down the field. So now you're talking about opening it up with the pass. And then with your running game, you just want to not get into negative situations, right? Where you're going from first and or second and seven to third and eight, third and nine, right? You just want to, you want to get that short third down. It opens up more of the playbook. And I think that Shanahan is tired of seeing dudes run into the back of, you know, their linemen or not hitting a hole or getting stuffed. And this change in philosophy is going, I mean, if you look at his dad, his dad didn't have amazing burners. I mean, you know, Mike Anderson wasn't a burner. He just, he put his head down and went. Terrell Davis had breakaway speed, kind of, but he also was able to just mow over people. And I think this is kind of feeding into what the 49ers need. With Maybe with Jimmy Garoppolo, you need a home run hitter as a running back because you know that the home runs down the field with Jimmy Garoppolo are going to be few and far between. With Trey Lance, maybe he feels like it's going to open up the offense more, which is why you draft a guy with 4-3 speed like, like Danny Gray and you start working the passing game more. And I think that this is kind of the philosophy. And I think it's a clear signal that Trey Lance should be looked at as the presumptive starter going into next year because of the way that they're starting to transition away from the players that they were drafting before and, you know, who they're picking up now. Yeah, 100%. Really, really well said there. Um, And yeah, I'm... I can't imagine Jimmy Garoppolo playing a game barring injury. I still don't think he's going to be on the roster come week one, but whatever. We'll see that the regime's kind Apparently, of. Apparently neither does David Lombardi, who didn't have him listed in his presumptive 2022 49ers <sighs> quarterback depth chart, which was surprising. Interesting. I wonder how much that hurt for him to do it. Right. Uh, speaking of Lombardi, before we move on to their third pick, he tweeted out uh new 49ers running back. Tyrion Davis-Price broke the LSU single-game rushing record this past season with 287 yards against Florida. Seems clear that Shanahan wants another solid body in an injury-porous running back room. Remember, that's where Debo had to pick up so much slack last year, which is a good point. Maybe he wants somebody who's proved that he can kind of carry the load. Uh, Fernando says, hey, Matt, they ran the ball a lot because Jimmy is turnover-prone and ain't accurate. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's why you can do things like stack the box in the NFC championship game and hold Elijah Mitchell to one yard per carry because 
the threat of Jimmy Garoppolo throwing, particularly when teams knew he had an injured shoulder and thumb, uh, you know, there's no threat there. So you're going to take away what the 49ers do best. And I think this is just a shift of philosophy where you're saying like, you don't know whether we're going to shove it down your throat or throw it down the field. And I think that kind of changes and open up the offense and it kind of changes what they're looking for in terms of personnel. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the fourth pick or third pick, excuse me, which is wide receiver Tanny Gray. They were selected. He was selected, excuse me, 105th overall out of SMU. Guy seems like a total burner, total yards after the catch type receiver. You spoke about him a little earlier, Matt. What was your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think he's a speed guy. I think he's a guy that's primarily going to be brought in when they, you know, spread out the try to spread out the defense and get something going down the field. Um, I it's going to be interesting to see how he develops. I think he has limited routes right now. Um, I think that he needs to potentially, you know, put a little weight on. He's he's a little light, um, but that's not to say that he can't be effective with the talent around him. Again, what's going on with this wide receiver room is going to be really contingent upon the 49ers getting Debo Samuel back in the fold, signed happy out there with a smile on his face. And it's going to make Danny Gray's transition a little bit easier. Um, I expect him to be on those situations early on where they want to take shot plays. I expect him to be in the mix with Ray Ray McLeod in terms of return duty, Um, little things right off the bat. Just because you expect it to be Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Juwan Jennings, and then George Kittle out there. And now you're starting to be like, all right, well, who else can we put out here, right? It's going to be those spread situations where you're going to want that fourth wide receiver out there and maybe keep Kittle in the block or something like that. But um, yeah, empty back sets to start and and go from there. And you just hope he develops. Tommy says Danny Gray had a horrible scouting report. I was reading it earlier. I have it up here from uh, the Draft Network, courtesy of them ideal role developmental Y slash Z receiver in a scheme uh, spread scheme is per Joe Marino. Uh, yeah. Look, obviously the guy's got incredible speed. He ran a four, three, three um, ball skills. My exposure did not reveal with issues with ball tracking. He made excellent adjustments to the ball in the air. He's made his share of catches in traffic, but contested catches won't be his calling card at the next level. He checks the box. Um, he has appeal on multiple levels of the field with his blend of speed and ball skills. While none in 2021, Gray had nine kick returns and four fielded punts back in 2020. Otherwise, he has no special teams reps. I think that Danny Gray could be strictly to stretch the field because the 49ers don't really have that type of burner receiver right now. And with Trey Lance taking over next season, that's going to be really, really helpful. Um, right. And it's going to not just be Danny Gray, too, because if you want Danny Gray to do what Danny Gray does, which is stretch the field, defenses are going to know that. And what's that going to open up? The middle of the field. So there's there's more than one way that this is going to help the offense. So uh, it's it's a pick in an area of need. Um, again, you wonder if they could have got somebody in a position that might have been a little better. But, you know, you you just got to wait and see. The speed is there, but we all know that we know speed guys that haven't gotten it done. <laughs> John Ross. Um, so, you know. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Fernando, thoughts on your your thoughts on Leon O'Neal? Um, I don't know a ton about him. Uh, everybody's excited about having him. I hear he's a ball hawk. I would just have to do more. I think that the more bodies that you can put in position to make an impact at safety, the better. 
I do think that people are sleeping on George Odom a little bit, and I think that he's going to be a guy that steps up. I think Talanoa in year two is going to step up. Um, so if you can turn O'Neill into something, that's fantastic because these undrafted free agents are just kind of guys that you really want to look at, develop, maybe stick on your practice squad if you can get them there and kind of teach them the ropes and, and just get them to be better football players so that they can potentially make an impact. Um, I think, you know, there are certain ones that you pencil in to be more productive than others. Offensive linemen, it's just a position that undrafted free agents typically if you're going to excel at a position as an undrafted free agent, it seems to be offensive line. It seems to be things like running back. Um, so safety, he could potentially be good. Um, it just, you just really need to see what you see in practice against better talent, right? Um, he played at Texas A&M. That's a good school. Um, it's, they weren't, they weren't fantastic this year. But, you know, you want to look at tape where he's playing NFL caliber talent and then see what he does when you get into rookie camp and mini camp and things like that and then go from there in terms of evaluation. But the more bodies you can throw at a position of need, I think the better. I agree. A lot of people I've seen kind of um, stress his work ethic and how great he is just as at getting better, how committed he is to the craft. I saw, um, I believe it was Jordan Elliott. Uh, of Niners Nation when he was at the Combine, he posted back on March 6th, a group of defensive backs stayed on the field to get some extra work in after their positional drills. The last player off the field, Texas A&M safety, Leon O'Neal Jr., uh, along with a picture. And that's just kind of the player. It seems like the 49ers are getting that type of person. Um, He was signed with a $50,000 base salary guarantee with a $10,000 signing bonus, which is on par for for an undrafted free agent i'd say but a lot of people stress how good of the character he is which seems like the type of people the 49ers are consistently trying to add to their roster and he's a ball hawk on top of that whether he excels as a starter for the 49ers or not it still seems like he's going to be a great depth piece for them moving forward um how about those undrafted free agent signings though they certainly got their money's worth um, Stewart added, Gray is fast as hell. He'll help dictate coverage, coverages excuse me, when he's on the field. He can catch screens, slants, and go routes early on. If you have a quarterback with a big arm like Trey, you want a receiver who can run by DBs. Yep. Well said. Really well said. I like uh, his Le- next comment. <laughs> Leon O'Neill is a big box, is a box safety big hitter who can't cover a bed. Right now he'll help on special teams to be a backup, but that's a win for an undrafted That is a win. That is a win. If you can put him as a gunner and just have him go down there and pop somebody. Yep. Exactly. Um, Tariq Castro Fields in the sixth round diamond. Fortnite Media said. All right, moving on to the next pick, Matt. Uh, Spencer Burford, I believe, offensive lineman. Is it Buford? Buford. Yeah. All right. Uh, B U F O R D, Buford. I see. It's a a pretty white name, dude. I got you. Um, 134th overall, fourth round. 6'4", 304 pounds, 34 and three quarters of an inch arms, nine and a half inch hands. What do you make of this pick? UTSA. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be someone who has big time competitive fire. He looks like he plays mean. Um, There was a I guess there was a thing going around where like he had an interview and he was very honest about what he's not good at. Um, He said he gets caught off his back foot because he tries to be so aggressive sometimes that it actually like leaves him unbalanced you like to see that self-awareness um and you know once you start getting to these rounds 
anybody who's told you, man, I've done extensive work on Spencer Buford, hey, you're probably lying, right? Like, it's just, yeah. you know, you go to Draft Network and you go, all right, who's who's available? All oh, that name looks good. Or you've done, like, the mock draft and you're like, I don't know, PFF gave me, like, a B-plus for this pick. You must be pretty good, right? Um, I don't know too much about him. I've seen some stuff where it looks like he tries to toss dudes on the ground. Um, but, again, with these linemen, anywhere you draft them, or if you just sign them off the street, there's potential there to be a starter. So, again, you're throwing bodies at a position. You want to bring him in and see what he does. The capital that they spent on him, fourth-round pick, means that he probably has some level of talent and that he could compete for a starting role, particularly with guard being something of a you know, of a weakness. Um, and that's where he's anticipated to play. When I first saw who they drafted, I thought he was a tackle. Um, that's what he was listed as, but they've, they've said that he anticipates moving inside to play guard. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with him. I don't know too much about him, but I look forward to like going back after the fact and watching a lot of tape on these guys and just seeing what we see. Yeah. Same here. It's like, I've said it going into this year's draft. This is kind of the the one year that I feel so, removed from it just because of how busy I've been. But like you said, now that I have a list of specific players that I can watch and kind of get into, I'm excited to do that because I unfortunately just didn't have the time to scout a whole you know list of them who I think the 49ers could have taken. Um, Tommy's asking, right guard or right tackle you think he could develop into? Um, I, I think he's kicking inside and playing guard. Now, whether he plays left or right, I don't know. Um it de- yeah, it's going to depend. I think that it's going to depend on who is better where. Yep. I don't know that you can really determine one way or another right now, though. Yep. Just get them in camp and see who does what where. Yep. Which, I, is- by the way, I don't think is the best roster-building strategy, but it seems like what they're going with. So They really went with traits, it seems like, this year. Traits and physical abilities. I was looking at those RES scores or whatever, most of their picks, and a lot of them are pretty high. Um, Hung Fan says he's got a lot of clips of him being straight disrespectful. I love it. I've seen a lot of them going around social media too, just him tossing defensive linemen to the ground. That's the type of character you want. Uh, Stuart says Mayoko interviewed Lynch and Peters. They said that what they liked about him was his size and athleticism. They also like how quickly he makes decisions, which you need in the interior. I don't know much more. Yeah. Uh, going over his NFL draft combine profile per Lance Zerline. Sources tell us it was a big deal when UTSA landed him because he was a four-star recruit and had those traits you'd like to see from tackles. He might be more of a guard for some teams, but I would give him a shot at tackle because of his length and his feet per an AFC scout. All right, moving on. Next, they got a cornerback, uh, Sam Womack. And I believe... Oh, no, he's not out of Toledo. That's the other one they got, huh? Womack was, let's see. Pulling it up here. No, he is Toledo. Yeah, he is the Toledo one. Okay. So it looks like they're going to be drafting him to potentially take over at nickel. That's that's our um, slot. That's kind of the, the, the hope, right? Like, his size, his build, what we've seen from him. Yeah, I mean, 
he's uh, he's a guy who's big on pass breakups apparently apparently has he's like got the mac record or something like that or had the most in the mac again we're getting to these guys that i don't know a lot about and again it's okay are you know is is there a big hole where k1 williams is yes okay how do we address that i don't know throw a body at it and again with these late round picks but it's at least you're addressing the position of need. This is again, a guy. And I think for the rest of these guys, which I feel like we can kind of like probably go through these a little bit quicker, just because mm-hmm. all these guys, I'm going to give you the same answer. I don't know a lot about them. Same, same 100%. I'll, <laughs> I'll read you what's on the NFL scouting um, yeah. website or maybe TDN. There's a video though, that I wanted to play after he was drafted per the 49ers website. I'm going to pull it up right now where he kind of shares his thoughts. And he says, I'm a lockdown Press corner. Let me change this real quick. Gets comment off the screen. And first of all, is it Sam or Samuel? And then just how would you describe your uh, your style of play? Uh, my full name is Samuel, but you can call me Sam. Uh, and I'm a lockdown press corner in your face. I also, I also am good at off. I'm a man corner overall. Um, I, I I improved in my zone, so. I, I got better in my zone to uh, fulfill my all-around coverage, um, and I and I, I'm physical too. I like to get hands-on. I like to tackle. I like to do it all. Congratulations, Sam! I just wanted to know how much contact did you have with the four? We could stop it there, but that's that's kind of the main clip that I wanted to play. I think that kind of encapsulates who he feels he is as a player. So moving forward, I, I mean, I'm excited. Obviously, the 49ers still have uh, DeAndre Lenore and Ambry Thomas, but you can never have too many potentially good DBs. That's kind of how I feel about it, specifically corners. We saw how that's affected them negatively in the past couple of years. Once one goes down and suddenly we're playing Dante Johnson or, or Josh Norman. So I'm, I'm fine with these. Wait, Stuart, Stuart, he was picked in the fifth round. Are you talking about the guy that they signed afterwards, or are you talking about Walmart? Because Walmart, you're saying he's only 5'9", so he didn't get drafted. He was drafted in the fifth round. I'm confused. Are we talking about Walmart still? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay. Maybe he got mistaken. We're talking about Walmart. I mean, him running fast, I mean, that's great. Yeah. I don't mind that at all. I think. I think one of the things I did see on him is that even though he's only like 5'9", or so, that his arms are almost as long as Richard Sherman's. That's which right. Will yeah. help create a little bit of a buffer. Like his his reach is going to be very similar. So that should help him against slightly taller wide receivers. Yeah. Um, this is Matt Mayoko's quick breakdown. Uh, Toledo cornerback Sam Womack has a chance to work his way into that role um, as the the K. Ron Williams' old role. Uh, the 49 selected him in the fifth round. Womack faces an uphill climb to get on the field as a rookie. The 49ers already have three players on their roster with experience lining up against the slot receiver, Darquise Denard, DeAndre Lenore, and Dante Johnson. The 49ers held Womack in high regard after he led the Mac in pass breakups for three consecutive seasons. He had 45 breakups and five interceptions in his career. Womack says he considers himself a physical lockdown corner who can get close to the line of scrimmage and throw off the timing between quarterback and receiver which sounds fantastic. All right, yeah, moving definitely. on. Uh, next offensive lineman, Nick Zakelge, I believe is how you pronounce his name. It's, it's the J is silent, so Zakel. Zakel, okay. 
187th overall pick. Again, there's not much that I have on this guy, but I will read his profile. I've seen one highlight play of him blocking some dude and just like throwing his ass to the ground. That's all I've seen. <laughs> Uh, let's see, 6'6", 316 pounds, 32-and-a-half-inch arms, 9-and-7-eighth-inch hands. So big dude, really big dude. This is per NFL.com uh, prospects, strengths, NFL size and length for the tackle position, plays with athletic hands and feet and press protection, which is always great. Pass sets with independent hands and quality hand resets, agile and fluid and redirecting his weight and mirroring rushers. Uh, some of his weaknesses, very average knee bender, below average pad level and leverage as a drive blocker. Power players able to knock him off balance, point of attack. I'm not sure if he's going to be starting anytime soon, but he looks to be quality depth for the 49ers moving forward and maybe could develop into something. Uh, next defensive tackle, 222nd overall pick, Kalia Davis. They address the defensive line yet again, this time with a later pick, though. Um, are you fine with them addressing it here? Sure. Yeah, same. I guess I've seen some people say that Lynch sees him, or maybe Lynch said it himself, sees some DJ Jones in him. That's fine. Yep. It's whatever. Yeah. Uh, pretty quality run stuffer from what I've seen. Uh, has a 6.13 grade from NFL.com. Good backup with potential to develop and a starter. A little on the smaller end, 6'1", 302. But it's it's what is it fifth round pick? I mean, you're not going to be finding too many gems overall, at least right now. Moving in, um, Ty Anderson. If you had to guess, Mac runs it back or retires? I think he retires. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I have a feeling I he's coming he, back. I think he got a little old and a little exposed last year. I think that at his age, he's accomplished everything that he needed to accomplish. Um. And and that's what it is. And the, oh, this is for um, the defensive tackle Davis. Davis. Yeah. yeah, he's probably going on the pup. They, and they said that. Yeah, unfortunate, but all right. Not like he's going to be immediately needed, so that's fine. Take the time to get healthy. Uh, second to last pick, cornerback Tariq Castro Fields, who a lot of people I see are excited about this pick. Um, I don't know much about him. Yeah, similar situation, right? Where you just don't know a lot. Yeah, these these lower picks are, are tough. Uh, 6'1", 197, 30 and three quarter inch arms, eight and three quarter inch hands. Ran a four three eight forty, so a little on the quicker end. Um, average special teamer or backup per NFL dot com. Last pick, quarterback. The 49ers had the Mister Irrelevant pick this year, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, Brock Purdy. Obviously, yeah. this is just, you know, it's cool to be the last drafted overall or last overall, I guess. But practice squad type guy moving forward. I'm not really sure. He could be the third guy. Yeah. yeah. Like he'll be practice squad third or whatever. Yeah. Um, but again, this is this is just another, in, in, you know, indication that I don't think they're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo despite what they're telling you. I think they're just throwing stuff out there. They're not obviously not going to say, oh, yeah, we're going to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo until he recovers from his shoulder injury and he can pass physical. There's no point in doing it until then. There's literally no point. So I at this point, I think you have to read between the lines. So. So before we get into the undrafted free agents, which we'll go over kind of quickly because we're already going on an hour. 
Um, the report came out this morning. We talked about it uh, per Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Debo Samuel is still dug in on his trade request and knows it could drag out a while. Did you think this would change at all after the draft came and went and he was still on the 49ers? Or were you not surprised that he's still kind of hell-bent on being traded? I'm not surprised. I mean, it's going to be the same situation. Nothing's going to change until he gets signed or until he gets traded, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, It's just going to be... uh, At at this point, this whole thing is silly. And it's, it's like that episode of The Office where Michael, Dwight, and Andy are sitting in the conference room and they're like pointing their fingers at each other. Yeah. Like they're in a standoff. Because either Debo holds out and doesn't accrue his season... And he goes from being an unrestricted free agent next year to being a restricted free agent next year. He comes to camp and plays, which is not likely and gets injured without a deal, which would be bad for him. Or he comes back and gets a deal and everything's fine in the event that he plays without a deal. And he's like, I'm just going to play it out or whatever. I mean, if the 49ers wanted to be petty, spend 2022, looking for a contract from somebody after the 49ers will likely decrease your usage because you don't want to be that guy apparently. So uh, it, it, in, in only the trade scenario, does Debo actually get what he wants and he has no leverage. And I think that he's overplayed his hand. And I think that the support that would have been there and is still there to an extent, right? Like we all want to see Debo get paid or whatever. We just want to see him get paid here. Um, I think there would have been more of groundswell of support had he just gone about it in a particular way. You know, AJ Brown got traded. He, we didn't really hear a ton of stuff about AJ Brown. You know what I mean? So. It is unfortunate. And, and I think I saw a comment in here earlier that said that, Debo Samuel has done more to kind of tarnish his own image than anyone else's or the team's, which might've been his intention trying to maybe make the team look bad for not giving him the money he wants or the trade. But if you just take a quick search, if you just search Debo Samuel on Twitter and aside from all of the reports, a lot of fans, excuse me, a lot of fans are unhappy with him and feel that, he's kind of the one that's being ridiculous or the diva. I've seen diva Samuel up a lot. I mean, what do you expect? These people were rooting for you. And then you kind of turn around and say, I don't even want to be in this town anymore. I don't like being in California. But, and he's not helping himself when he comes out and, you know, I put this up, but when he comes out and says like, man, some of y'all just want to hear your voices heard when y'all don't know anything about a situation, blah, 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 blah. But then you got your boy, Odell Beckham coming out and saying stuff that's just a straight lie, right? And this is after he had already, you know, teased, oh, I got the tea. Do y'all want me to spill it? And then Debo's playing into it and whatever, whatever. And then, you know, he's coming out and saying, like, who who even knows what's going on? People just want to, you know, say things, whatever, whatever. And it's like, you're the one saying stuff. And you're the one that's being really vague. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there it is. It's just... Yeah, too real to entertain half the stuff y'all be saying, but it do be funny, though. Everybody want their voice to be heard about a situation they know nothing about and just be saying whatever the next person say. Have a blessed day. But he's done absolutely nothing to to quash anything. Nope. He's living in the mess that he created. So we have the phone call audio with A.J. Brown where, like, A.J.'s telling him, dude, if you, if you want something, you got to come to the table, right? That was put out on his, I think his mom's 
IG yeah. live or yeah. whatever, but like you have to know your mom's live, right? Um, there's the nightclub video where I think someone actually tried to say to me that he he was saying he doesn't want another drink, and I told you that was going to happen. You did. You so definitely did. Before, right? Or he, or he's coming out and he's he's saying to um, I think was it it wasn't Fowler it was Jeff Darlington where we told mm-hmm. Jeff Darlington yeah I asked for a trade. So if you want something, just be clear about it. Otherwise, you have nobody to blame for people speculating on your situation except yourself. So, yep. That's and, and that's that's kind of been our whole take on this this whole time. Um, and, and you said it right here. You know, you created the situation yourself. There's phone call audio, the nightclub video, etc. The narrative has been twisted. Then you should clear it up rather than purposely be purposely vague. You seem to not. You seem to subscribe to the old adage that any press is a good press. You did this, not others, yeah. which is correct, 100%. And that's what we've been saying. Um, when he says, oh, only the 49ers and I and my agent know what's going on. Debo, you were the source for the initial report. So if that's wrong, and we did talk about this, there is a chance that Darlington misinterpreted what Debo said, but you haven't said that. And you liking pictures in a jersey swap, you liking the tweets that say you requested a trade, only yeah. backs up the – reports that you did request the trade so here's the here's the thing he says that only he the 49ers and his agent know oh he's out up sorry (laughs) um only him his agent and the team knows what what is what the situation is now would that have been true had he not said anything yes so in either situation it would have been true but you're instigating the speculation through your actions through your words through what's going on on social media because you can't get out of your own way yep. Yep. i mean i don't know what he expects to happen and fernando it's not that i i could care less about diva samuel i i just don't there's nothing for me to do about it right my thing is be consistent right if if something i'm always clear with what i say I'm not going to give you double talk. I'm not going to do whatever. And that's how I always communicate clearly. And it's the best way to avoid misunderstanding. And if you're not communicating clearly and then complaining that people are speculating, that's on you. And nobody's going to be able to help that but you. Yeah. If you come out, like, it's the same thing where people are speculating he doesn't want to play in California. And then he comes out and goes, ha, people saying, really thinking that I don't want to play because I want to be closer to home. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that's not it, then say that's not it. You know what I mean? Like even his denial, the denial of it wasn't that. He's like, oh, people really think that. Well, is it true or not? <laughs> right. If you want to know if you're being clear, right, say a statement and then afterwards go, is anyone going to ask me what I mean? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, you're not being clear. Plain yeah. and simple. Exactly. Um, the 49ers tweeted out a video talking about the situation. They quickly deleted it, which I thought was weird. Um, I thought I had it saved. Oh, it was Mayoko with, with, with Lynch, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I saw they that too. deleted it, but John Lynch basically just said that they're hoping to get keep communication open with him. They have no intention of trading him. Kyle Shanahan made it seem after the fact like they – they had no serious intention or even fielded any serious calls about it when they had their press conference. Again, make of that what you will, but it seems like they're on two completely different ends of the spectrum where yeah. Debo's saying, I want out, I want out, I want out, and the Niners are like, yeah, whatever, we'll see you Monday. 
you know, so it, it is kind of weird. Um, Fernando says, oh, no, oh, no, Matt, no worries. I completely understand. I agree with you, man. It just makes Debo look bad. I feel for you. I just can't believe this is happening. And I know where Debo's coming from. Debo wants to get paid because he knows that he is in a position where he plays a physical game where his opportunities to get money are going to be short. So he wants to get as much as he can. It, But it's the classic thing of, and this is true in psychology, where you say somebody thinks the world is flat, right? And you take them up into space and you show them that the world is round in most situations, despite being presented with evidence to the otherwise, they will still double down. And now you're talking about something where he might not even know that he's going about it in the wrong way. So he's going to double down on his position because that's, that's what he believes. He, he wants to get paid. He wants to be traded and he's going to, he's going to stick that out until it's completely untenable to do so. And so there's going to be no resolution of this until training camp, until we get, you know, to that point. And I think the 49ers are going to continue to do what they normally do. And that's try to negotiate and, and try to get something to the table. And I think eventually it'll get done. I just think that this damages him a little bit with how he's gone about it in the eyes of the fan base. Now that fan support can be rebuilt over time. But right now I think that he's done himself more a disservice just by not being clear with what he's after. Exactly. And, and, this whole thing could have been avoided. Um, again, his brother was the one that kind of leaked it, and then that turned into all of this. So, again, you only have yourself and your family to blame. Um, also, I just wanted to, to talk about this. We talked about this a little bit the other day, but Matt Mayoko had that tweet the day before the first round of the draft where he said any team willing to make a big-time offer for it for, to the 49ers for Debo Samuel would have to know in advance whatever issues he has with SF would not be problematic with their organization too. And a lot of people were like, what the hell does this mean? This was completely out of the blue. Mayoko had not tweeted about Debo Samuel for a while. Um, is there something more there? Is I this- mean, it's just, it's just, so let's just say Debo Samuel doesn't want to play in California because California has a, a gigantic, marginal tax rate for the state i think it's 13 percent for top earners okay well if you're going to trade him to the jets well guess who's right behind california in terms of state taxes oh that's new york so if the tax is the issue the team that trades for him needs to know hey is this going to be an issue here um if it's because he wants to be close to home where he's from in south carolina okay well do do you want to be um well he he is from South Carolina, right? I think he went to high school and college in South Carolina. I think he's from South Carolina. So if you trade him to Pittsburgh, well, that's not South Carolina. Okay. Is this close enough? It's closer than California, but is that close enough that you're not going to be, you know, whatever. Um, Who knows what the issue is. And that's the pro that's part of the problem. And that's part of the problem with the speculation. He instigated the speculation to begin with. And now we're all left, you know, with you know with our junk flapping in the breeze trying to figure out what's going on with him and there's no clarification there's no anything so i think mayoko just tweeting this out is just acknowledging that hey if it is something other than money um if it is something like location if it is something like he just doesn't like being in california or the west coast teams are going to want to know hey what's the issue going on that you don't even want to come to the table with the 49ers before we try to trade for you because if it's going to be an issue here we're just not even going to bother yeah, exactly. This whole situation is just insane that it's reached this point, but that's where we are. And like you said, well, it'll really be the telling point when mandatory camp comes up and practice and all that in 
uh, what a month or two, basically. So we'll see. We'll see when it reaches that point where Debo Samuel's at. Maybe he'll come to the table eventually. He's not going to get more than A.J. Brown, and I think that's just – it's a little outrageous to think that he would be or even in his end to even get what A.J. Brown got. And you brought this up a, a couple of weeks ago, I feel like, Matt, when this whole story first broke, that the Figure agent, of speech, figure of speech. <laughs> that the agent that represents the three wide receivers that are all kind of doing the same thing, A.J. Brown did get the trade, but one of them is going to get more than the other two, and the other two are kind of going to be left there like, hey, what the hell? So it's it's an ugly situation, and hopefully the 49ers can kind of mend it as much as possible before the season starts. Um, all right, let's get into the undrafted free agents real quick, and then we'll wrap things up. If you guys have any questions, feel free to sh- shoot them in the comments. We'll answer them before we wrap up here. Um, I'm going to read the free agent undrafted free agent list, and you can get into your favorites. Uh, center, Donovan West. Offensive lineman, Jason Poe. Offensive lineman, Sham Sh- Schulter. Wide receiver Tay Martin, wide receiver Tasir Mack, defensive lineman Kevin Atkins, linebacker Jeremiah Gemmel, linebacker Sagun Alubi, Alubi, uh, defensive back Taylor Hawkins, defensive back Quantrez Knight, and safety Leon O'Neill Jr. Which one are you most excited about? Donovan West. Donovan West, Donovan West, Donovan West. They gave him $100,000 guaranteed. Um, they obviously feel strongly about him, and he's who I was talking about was projected as a fourth to fifth round guy. He's the one I like the most. But if you look, they actually sunk. You know, they got a couple of of undrafted linebackers. That's just for depth, right? right? But at the positions where you're like, oh, man, do we, you know, do we have a need here? Yes. Okay, well, let's just throw something at it. And they yeah. did that with offensive line. They did it with wide receiver. They did it with DBs. And that's really where they concentrated the bulk of what they were doing. And I like that strategy. And I think that it's pretty consensus amongst the 49er fans that the two that they're really excited about, well, three, is West, Poe, and then Leon O'Neal are, are the three that people are really gassed up about. And then the rest, it's just you can kind of see what what is going on and what they're trying to do. And that actually kind of makes up for some of the early stumbles or less than ideal picks in the first couple rounds. You can start to see what this team is going to become and what the regime is trying to do in terms of putting this team forward onto the football field in 2022. And I think that for me, day three and undrafted free agency save this draft for me. Yeah, I, I am. I am excited that they went so offensive line heavy towards the back end of the draft, not because I think that they, you know, did a great job of drafting for value where they drafted. I still think that TDP in the third round is just, that's just a laughably bad selection. Not because I think TDP can't become a player, but just for the value where they were at. But when you look at, Hey, we have a need at guard. We, we have a potential need at tackle and they're taking guys that are athletic, that have physical traits that are versatile. You're saying, Hey, we might be able to develop these guys into something special um, into a starter, into a serviceable piece. And it looks like they've they've been able to do that. I mean, Lakin Tomlinson, the 49ers got him from a, like a seventh-round pick from Detroit. He was a first-round guy, never blossomed in Detroit, got him for a seventh-round pick, comes here, makes a Pro Bowl, probably should have made two, and then scores big money with the Jets. Yeah. It looks like they, they have a good grasp on how to develop mind talent on both sides of the ball. So you get excited about those type of things. And then wide receiver, obviously, you know, you want to see who can potentially stick. 
Um, we've had a couple of undrafted darlings in our midst for for a while. You know, there's the Richie Jameses and, you know, people of that ilk. So you just you you look forward to those kind of guys. Matt Breida was a, a darling here as an undrafted running back. There are always those guys that you kind of earmark. It's like, man, this guy could be something. So for me, it's Donovan West as that guy, along with potentially uh, Poe. And then, you know, I think a lot of the fan base is latching on to uh, Leon O'Neill Jr. Those are the three I've seen the most of. And just looking on social media, I saw this video from David Lombardi, which I wanted to share, just kind of showing uh, James Poe's athleticism, which I thought was kind of wild. So I'm going to play it here. Three hundred pounds. Three hundred pounds. Hey, listen, tackle eligible play down near the goal line. Why not? Yeah, exactly. So I just, just wanted to share him. that. I just want to see him knock somebody's cup into the dirt. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, overall, how would you grade this draft class? It's hard to say a day. It's out. hard to give it a letter grade just because of, you know, I, I tried to do that and it didn't work out for me. Um, I think it's, I think it's an, I think it's an okay draft as it stands right now. I'm not super happy with it, but I'm also not despondent over it either. I think that they, it's like a middle of the road draft for me. Okay. Um, I would say if I had to give it a grade, I'm going to go with like a B minus. I think the back end and the undrafted free agents really saved this draft. I think they've reached a little bit with TDP, but if they, I feel think like they reached the with guy, Danny Gray too, to be honest, but I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I'm all right with it. If they feel like they could really bring something to the team and moving forward could play a pivotal role, but we'll see. We'll, we'll only have to see. Uh, right. Hand this Trey is Lance. a good point too, by the way, Trey Lance stands out. Well, it's an a plus if, if Trey Lance hits, then yeah. I mean, essentially Trey Lance was their first round pick this year. So yep. it is what it is. Yep. If, if he hits, then it makes everything else kind of worth it. Yep. Um, all right, guys, drop your comments of your grades. Drop your grades, excuse me, in the comments. All right, that's going to do it for this show. Draft recap, another year in the books for a Red and Gold Standard podcast. Thank you, everybody, for helping us get over 2,000 subscribers. The best thing you can do to help, copy this link, share it into Twitter, Facebook, whatever social media you have. It really does help support the channel. Thank you, everybody, for interacting with us. Um, and like I said, another year, another draft class with us recapping it here. Absolutely. Um, next thing to look forward to is rookie camp, mini camp, OTAs, any other letters you got going on. We're going to monitor the Steve Samuel situation. So there's a lot coming down the pipeline. Don't be afraid to come back and join us anytime we're on. We love having you as always. With that being said, until next time, go Niners.